0: You know, I had no clue how close I was to complete annihilation. I mean, I was on the verge of death. My wife and I were at a retreat center, and uh, we had gone on a walk in the wilderness. And as we went on a walk in the wilderness the sun began to set. And there were these two rows of trees on either side of the path. And I started walking into it. And she said, wait, wait, I don't want to go there. And I said, come on, Darby, let's go. Let's go. And she said, no, I'm afraid. And I said, "Ah, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Come on. It's just the wilderness at night. <laughs> come on, let's go. And she said, no, I'm not going to go. I said, well, look, it's totally safe. And then I saw it. As the sun started setting, I locked eyes, like, from the first row, this close to this. (laughs) A mountain lion. A mountain lion that was face-to-face with me, crouched down low, just watching me. And I knew that that thing had been watching me a lot longer than I had been watching it. (laughs) And as I took a step back, it took a step forward. And I took a step back, and it took a step forward. And as my wife and I walked down the hill backwards, this mountain lion just kept putting one foot after another, keeping pace with us. Eventually, as the darkness grew, we lost Eye contact with its shimmering eyes, and I thought at any moment we're dead. Now we got back to the hotel, and I don't know if we've been hiking since. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe once. (laughs) You know, there aren't mountain lions stalking you, at least not many. Maybe your neighbors have one. It is Dubai after all, but you, where you are sitting right now, you are face to face on the verge of total annihilation. You are in grave danger and you might not even know it. There is an enemy prowling around ready to devour you. And if you're not, Scared of that? If you don't feel like you're in danger, then you're closer than you think. Today we're going to talk about temptation. Temptation, not just the the pull of our own humanity that gets us to do things we don't want to do, not just the the yank towards the, uh, what your friends and uh, neighbors are doing in the world. No, we're going to talk today about spiritual deceiver Satan about it's not just a a pull between your heart and your mind of what you want, feel like you should do and what you think you should do. No, actually we face temptation that is a spiritual battle for your soul. The consequences are huge. The stakes are high. The allure is grand. And just because we wrestle doesn't mean doesn't mean we have to end up in ruin and let's face it we live in a day and age where temptation is everywhere it's everywhere we have private digital lives in the palm of our hands where we can be anyone we want to and nobody knows we can work just a little bit hard and get that promotion but realize we've sacrificed everything meaningful to us along the way. We can travel on business trips and do whatever we want and nobody seems to be the wiser. We can find ourselves just wrapped up in the busyness, the rush and crush of everyday life and find that we actually get distracted from what's really important in life. I mean, we live in the land of buffets. We can be tempted to overeat in a heartbeat. We live in a city where we can get anything delivered to us. We live with everything just at the edge of our fingertips, whatever we could ever possibly want. Temptation is everywhere, but temptation is not new. In fact, temptation is as old as humanity And today we're going to talk about temptation and we're going to see three universal temptation tactics of the enemy. And then we're going to talk about our modern victorious living today. So what tempts you? What tempts you? Is it fame? Is it easy living? Is it fortune? Is it avoiding conflict or safety, security? Are you tempted to always do what's easy instead of what's right? Are you tempted by acceptance or food, or sex, or people-pleasing, or at all costs getting ahead, whatever it is, do you ever find yourself tempted? Raise your hand if you have been tempted. If your hand isn't up, we'll talk about pride a little bit later, okay? (laughs) We're going to talk about temptation as we continue our series, Our King and His Kingdom, because we see our king in his kingdom. We see that everybody is tempted, even our king, King Jesus. King Jesus was tempted. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis when it comes to uh, followers of Jesus being tempted. He says, a silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. (laughs) This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is, amen? A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply doesn't know what it would have been like an hour later. That is why bad people, in one sense, know very little about badness. They have lived a sheltered life by always giving in. If you've come here today and you've been wrestling with temptation, there is good news and I, don't, please do never hear to just try harder. <laughs> because if we could do it on our own, if we could just hold on for dear life, we could white knuckle our way through to success. But the truth is, when it comes to temptation, this is failures anonymous. <laughs> we have failed on our own. That's why we desperately need help. We do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, he has been tempted in every way. He has been tempted in every way, yet without sin. Just because he's wrestled doesn't mean he got wrecked. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are you in need? Oh man, I am. So let's continue our king and his kingdom as we get into Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to see this has just happened after Jesus has received his identity from God the Father. You remember Jesus is standing there and a voice from heaven comes down saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And the Holy Spirit lands on Jesus like a dove. And then Satan starts to eat away and question Jesus' identity. And when it comes to being tempted, that's a huge issue with identity. We think, we forget who we are and we think, oh, Surely, I'm. I, it's not really sin. I mean, I, it's not like a big lie. It's just a little white lie. And we forget our identity as a child of God. Or maybe we think to ourselves, well, I mean, not, one look doesn't hurt. Or we think, you know, it's not hurting anybody. Or we think, Oh, you know what? <laughs> I'm stronger than most people. I mean, the weak people, they're the ones that develop addictions. I can stop anytime I want to. Diet starts Monday. <laughs> but the truth is, we're not as strong as we think we are. no. In fact, temptation tactic number one is, you know, as we remember and reclaim our identity, uh, Satan uses, it, us, uses our desires and displaces them, shifts them to say we'll be fulfilled with our desires in ways that actually don't end up fulfilling us. Uh, let's look in Matthew chapter four. It says, uh, then Jesus was led by the spirit up, he was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted By the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came to him. Now, if you're fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, you think you're a little bit hungry? (laughs) I mean, physically, Jesus was 100% human and he was 100% God, but 100% human, that's like 500% hungry. (laughs) I mean, anybody start intermittent fasting in 2023? You're probably kind of hungry right now, huh? They really hungry. And the tempter comes to Jesus and goes, hey, Jesus, if you really are the son of God, <laughs> if you are, then just prove it. You see these rocks all around you, like the mountains in the middle of the UAE. I mean, just no vegetation, just big, chunky rocks. He says, if you're really the son of God, then just take these rocks, turn them into bread. And notice he didn't say, take these rocks and take a bite out of one and then nourish yourself on the rock. No, he makes it something familiar, hungry. And by the way, if you're ever hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, watch out for temptation. Your desires are weak or your desires are strong, but your willpower is weak. (laughs) Raise your hand if you've ever been hungry. Yep. (laughs) Raise your hand if you've ever been angry. Online. All you trolls that type out all those things online, you've been angry before at someone else, maybe. If you've ever been lonely, raise your hand. If you've ever been lonely. What about tired? Woo! Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Watch out! It's prime territory for temptation. Because your desires are at an all-time high, and you'll do anything to fulfill those desires. Jesus, when he was hungry, Satan helps, Satan says, Jesus. Take these stones and make them bread. Oh, now, bread is something I have found that doesn't need a translation. <laughs> it doesn't need any in- interpretation. Bread in any culture, whether it's paratha, chapati, naan, croissant, whatever it is. Anybody from Georgia? Is anybody here from Georgia? Oh, you're raising your hand. Oh, wonderful. The best bread in the world, kachapuri, huh? Oh, man. It's bread with cheese baked in it. And then an egg and ah. Oh. <laughs> Anybody start keto this year? You're really missing bread, huh? <laughs> Whatever it is, do you love bread? I mean like warm, fresh bread like your mom made. Oh, there's nothing like it to satisfy hunger. I drooled last service too. <laughs> Satan says, Jesus, turn these rocks into bread. Jesus is from the city of bread, Bethlehem, the, the one that would feed all the other surrounding cities. And, and Satan says, oh yeah, that desire you have for food, feed it. Just, just prove yourself and eat some bread. Oh man, talk about temptation. Temptation. Jesus answers back, quoting God's word in Deuteronomy. He quotes back and says, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." It's in a section of Deuteronomy where Jesus is is or Jesus is quoting uh, that God should be the one that sustains his people. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land. Live, multiply, possess the land. It reflects the original mandate from God in his creation in the garden with Adam and Eve to live, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion over the earth. Now, we'll just pause right here. Uh, What do you need, as far as desires go, in order to fuel your body, what do you need to desire in order that you don't die? Food and... And water, that's right, food and drink. You you have that desire for food and drink because God commanded us to live. Isn't it great that you just don't forget to eat and then just, you just die? (laughs) We have that desire for food, right? All right, now to multiply, what desire do you need for humanity to multiply? Nobody wants to say it. (laughs) That's right, we have to have a desire for sex. All right, And uh, to, to have dominion over the world, we have to have a desire for power. Now, those are, those are natural desires that God has created within humanity to be fulfilled in his ways. The, Deuteronomy goes on and says, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. This is the nation of Israel at the time. That he might humble you, look at this, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with what? Bread from the sky. That's right. (laughs) Manna and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That God provides that only are our desires fully fulfilled in God. Now that desire for food, uh, it won't satisfy you just eating food. It won't satisfy you. Only God will truly satisfy you. And the way it works out, at least for me, during COVID, I loved ordering ice cream delivered. Oh, man, the doorbell would ring, ice cream would come, and I would eat. Uh, and for some reason, the whole tub of ice cream just disappears. I don't know what happened to it. And then the next night, enjoying that ice cream, there was still a desire for ice cream. So you know what I did? Oh, the brownie Sunday. That's right, ice cream and Brownies. And then after eating that for a while, it's like, well, that doesn't really satisfy. Like, oh, I know, brownies, hot chocolate, hot fudge, and ice cream, that'll satisfy. The problem with that is that I realized that I was under stress during COVID, and I was a stress eater. And the only, the only desire, that desire for food, I was mixing up with a desire to relieve stress, which only comes from trusting in God. And so maybe that's you in food, whether it's eating or drinking. Maybe for you, you're looking for control or escape or acceptance. You'll only find those things in your heavenly father. You won't find it in stuff. That desire for sex will only be fulfilled in your relationship with your spouse. Anything else will leave you completely dissatisfied. That's why addictions are rampant. No no internet search and no conversation or relationship will leave you satisfied. You're always going to be disappointed, always longing for more. That desire for power. You may think life would be so much better if I was in the C-suite. I was a COO, a CFO, or a CEO. (laughs) I have to tell you that I saw someone on the street that got into their black Lamborghini yesterday and turned on the engine, and I had this moment where I was like, oh, I don't even like cars, but I want that car. (laughs) And you know what? That, maybe you own a Lamborghini and, or you're a CEO or a CFO or whatever, and you would say, none of that satisfies. That doesn't satisfy. Because there's always something bigger, better, faster, stronger. You know, even fame, it doesn't have to be stuff we can touch, but even fame doesn't satisfy. Matthew Perry, in his most recent book, talks about how uh, his addiction with alcohol. And he says, addiction is like the joker, it just wants to see the world burn. He says, alcohol didn't care about me being on the TV show Friends. It just wants you alone. It wants you sick. And it wants to kill you. He prays at one time in his life, early on before he gets on the TV show Friends, he says, God, please make me famous. And then he gets famous. And he looks around and he says, I had the American dream. And I really, really liked it for about six months. But he looks around and he says, all of this isn't fixing the problem of addiction I'm having. How can this be happening? He found himself on a search for something more. I have to tell you, the only thing that will truly satisfy us is our king and his kingdom. Amen? So ask yourself, when you're tempted, ask yourself this question. What do I really want? What do I really want? My displaced desire, what is it that I really want, God? God. God, do I want want acceptance or control? Do I want escape? God, do I want security? Whatever it is, God, tell me, show me what I really long for and how I can find that in you. Man does not live by Lamborghinis alone. (laughs) Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So temptation tactic number one, displaced desire. Temptation tactic number two is seeking security. Seeking security. Wanting something physical, tangible proof of what God has already said. Because sometimes it's so much easier to believe when you can see than to just take God at his word, isn't it? <laughs> then the devil took Jesus. Uh, they go from the wilderness and the devil takes Jesus to the holy city and sets him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God... Then come, then jump, throw yourself down. Now you may think, what's so tempting about that? <laughs> Anybody afraid of heights? <laughs> I mean, there Jesus is, the wind is, is going through his hair. He's up on top of the temple. He sees all of God's people hustle and bustle uh, right beneath his feet in this holy place. And it, there's not this tempt- temptation to jump. But then Satan starts preaching this sermon to Jesus. (laughs) A sermon from God's word, from Psalm 91. Psalm 91 talks about man's fear, humanity's fear, and God's protection. It's a great psalm to read. And Satan says, ah, yeah, why don't you jump? Show everybody that you're the son of God. Because we both know that if you were to jump, then angels would come and they would rescue you. Everybody would see it, Jesus, and they would know that you're the son of God. So they they don't even have to believe you. They would see proof. You know it and I know it. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus, if you were to jump, everybody would know. Everybody would have that proof. You could be secure in all that. There's no guessing or wondering or or arguments. Just jump. Jump. And that comes directly from Psalm 91. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. It's not twisted in words, but Jesus knows what's really going on. Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test comes from a section of scripture when they're in Massa and uh, in Deuteronomy again. And they're going around and they're commanded to keep their commandments of the Lord your gods. It says, you'll do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Believe him what he says. You don't need proof. You don't need to jump. Believe God at what he says. You don't need proof. But a lot of times we're searching for security because there's times when things are really hard or really rough or our hearts are broken or we find ourselves distracted or discouraged that we wish that we could have proof that God heard our prayers or we know what God has told us, but is it really true? Satan wants us to question Is it really true, God? I I don't know uh, about my financial situation. I don't know if I should take the job in Dubai or the job in Bahrain. Uh, God, I need your I need your direction. So I'm gonna get in the car and I'm gonna see the license plate in front of me. If it's a B, that means Bahrain. A D, that means Dubai. And I know you've promised to take care of me, but I gotta take care of myself, okay, God? And so you look at and you're like T. Well, that's close enough to D. Okay, I'll stand you by. We're always looking for this. The best way it expresses itself is God, if I, then you. God, if I do this, if I come to church, then God, you're going to give me a great week. God, if I pray and fast and really mean it and not tell anybody, then. I'll have the security to know that you're going to answer my prayer without a shadow of a doubt or say, God, if I give this money, right? Right. If I give this money, then, then you are going to give me a lot more, right? (laughs) And we're always looking for that security instead of just taking God at his word. The second question we ask ourselves is where is my trust? Where is my trust? As we seek security, where is your trust? When you read in God's word that he has said that he will never leave you nor forsake you, you don't need a sign he's already sent his son. Jesus himself was tempted. How much more so you? Jesus himself was tempted that everybody would see that he is the son of God and and so many headaches and hassles could have been avoided, but he would have given in to temptation. And wrestling with temptation would have led to ruin. So the second question, where is my trust? Whatever God has spoken to us, do you believe what he said? I mean, do you believe that this is actually God's word that he will will always provide for you? Let's take God at his word. A lot of times we can actually get wrapped up in being tempted with the future and worrying about the future. And Jesus says, hey, hey, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Just believe him, take him at his word. So that's seeking security, temptation number two. Now, if at this point, uh, if you haven't had that moment going, wow, God, I really, you're right. I need to have some time with you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have to tell me. Say to me, uh, if you haven't had that moment yet, watch out. In fact, if, if you're watching online or you visit here and you came because you want to explore what it means to follow Jesus and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, this isn't that bad. I mean, I'm not that bad of a person. I mean, I've done more good things than bad things and surely the, the, the weights are in my favor. I'm basically a good person. I want to warn you. I want to warn you that you are closer to danger than you can ever imagine. And I want to talk to you about cows. Cows, that's right. Cows. Uh, cows used to be uh, taken to the slaughterhouse with shocking electrodes and whips, and the cows were so scared and freaked out that they would release toxins into their meat, and then the meat wouldn't taste as good, and, and everyone's going, what do we do about this? And this uh, this woman who was uh, autistic, high-functioning autistic, really connected with and, and studied cows on the farm. Her name was Temple Grandin. And Temple actually found that the best way to slaughter cows is that you take them in a place where they're familiar and you put them in these big chutes with high walls. They can't see anything. And then they just kind of wander this way for a while and they wander that way. And the walls get tighter and tighter and the cows are happy and everything is nice. And then they get tighter and tighter and then it just squeezes them and they feel comforted because of the squeeze. And then, little do they know, a conveyor belt has been taking them up. They haven't even noticed that they've been elevated above the ground into the slaughterhouse where they're all comfy and cozy and then wham, they're killed right then. Now you may be going about life thinking, life is wonderful, life is great. I'm not really that bad of a person. Oh, you know, this isn't really that big of a deal. I mean, sure, I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty close to perfect. (laughs) Wham, watch out, you're in danger. Temptation tactic number three, puffed up pride. Puffed up pride, oh man. Let's continue on. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, Jesus, I'll give you all of this stuff. I'll give you all of these things if you fall down and worship me. Humanly speaking, it must have been a wow moment. Like the first time you go to the Dubai Mall and saw the aquarium, you're like, wow. Or uh, going to Jebel Akhtar or the Grand Canyon and just seeing this grand expanse and going, whoa, all of this can be mine. Or maybe it's that black Lamborghini. (laughs) Say, that could be yours. And all you have to do, Satan says, all you have to do is just fall down and worship me. You just have to value something, anything, more than God. Worship, by the way, isn't singing songs. It's not like bowing down. Worship involves weightiness. What's weighty in your life? What has value in your life? Anything other than worshiping God and Satan wins. And Jesus knows, Jesus knows. And Jesus just says, be gone, Satan. And then gives him a punch to the face by quoting more scripture and say, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Him only. Not him mostly, but him only. That of all the things in life, it's him only. Him only should you serve. And Satan then leaves and angels come around Jesus and attend to him. Jesus didn't even mess around because he knows that the root issue of temptation is who do you worship? Now, worshiping Satan, you would say, Oh, I'd never do that. No, no, no. Satan doesn't care. As long as you're not worshiping God, that's all he cares about. You can worship anything or anyone else. Uh, a show of hands, and online, just put up a digital hand if you're online. Uh, who, who's tempted with worldwide domination? Good, an honest person, honest person. There was an honest person last, last time, too. It's, it's good for us to talk about our temptations, right? Now, you might say, no, I'm not, gonna, I'm not tempted for worldwide domination, but I just want to be known in the region as someone high up in my company. <laughs> Still Pride. You say, well, no, no, I don't want to be known in the region. No, that's really proud. I mean, I just want to be known in my company as someone that's just a little bit above everybody else. Still pride. Or you say, well, I, I don't really care about that. That's for all the proud people. I mean, I just want my friends to know what a great person I am. It's still pride. It's still a focus on you instead of giving weight to God. It's still that puffed-up pride. Or you may think to yourself, oh, surely, I mean, I wouldn't want a Lamborghini. No, I don't want a Lamborghini. Bill's just a a sinner. (laughs) He's just a horrible person that is tempted by fancy cars. I mean, I'd be happy with the Toyota, but, I mean, not even a Toyota. I mean, I don't even ride in taxis. I mean, oh, uh, no, the Toyota, Ta- I don't even ride in the taxis. I mean, I ride the Metro, but man, those, that gold class Metro card would be really appealing. <laughs> you see, it's still, you know, I, I kind of deserve that. I've had a rough day. I've had a rough month. I kind of deserve that. Again, it's that puffed up pride, right? It's very, very subtle, yet highly effective. We can even worship our worry. We can worship our worry by being so worried about what's going to happen and, and what, what about this visa and what about this family member back home and, and what about this and what about that and what about, and what about this and what about this. How can I help them? What can I do here? That all of a sudden we're so focused down here that we totally miss our king and his kingdom. That we would focus more on ourselves. And if you have come here today and you would say, yeah, I was tempted in the past, but I'm not tempted anymore oh man, you're in more danger than you could ever think. Even in church, we get really good at playing games of putting on a mask that we're better than we actually are. And we say, well, I don't want to seem proud. So we learn ways of humble bragging or sharing gossip in the forms of prayer requests for others. Whatever it is, we desperately can't do it on our own. You know, I know walking out of these doors in just a couple minutes that you are going to be tempted. I know you're going to be tempted because you're human. If Jesus Himself is tempted, then we're all tempted. But Jesus sets the perfect example for us that He, He couldn't do it without the empowerment of the Spirit and without being God himself. Now, the God himself, Jesus, the one who died for our sins and came back to life and gave us the very same spirit, Jesus sets the example that wrestling doesn't have to lead to ruin because with God, there is strength and power over temptation. I love watching uh, MMA fighting. I-, I love watching MMA fighting. Have you ever seen those knockout videos on YouTube? where there's someone that's like all puffed up and like, yeah, I'm going to take them out tomorrow in the octagon and they're not going to have any sort of problems. I'm going to dominate this fight. I'm going to win. And then the the day the fight shows up and the person's like, yeah, I'm going to take you out. And then the little guy or the underdog just goes, one punch and the guy goes. That's what it's like with Satan and temptation. When we quote scripture, when we rely on the power of the spirit, they're like, you know what, Satan? No, no. <laughs> I'm going to only worship and serve our King in his kingdom. The one who conquered you, yeah, I'm with him. <laughs> and that's where we find true victorious living. So, the next time you're tempted, here are three steps the next time you, you face temptation. Number one, quote scripture, quote scripture. Number two, lean into the Holy Spirit. If you face temptation, uh, I want you to practice a phrase, I can't do it on my own, all right? Ready? I can't do it on my own, ready? I can't do it on my own. own. That's right. You'll need that for about five minutes from now when you see the donuts, all right? (laughs) And the last one is just to prayerfully ask these questions with God. God, what do I really want? God, where is my trust? And God, what or who do I really treasure? And as you pray these questions, God will refocus us. And you may have come here today and maybe you've tried this before and you've said, yeah, I know. I know I've said that. I know I've heard this stuff before. I still find myself flat on my face in temptation. And maybe you're even too ashamed to even have that conversation. One of the greatest tools that Satan has is to keep your struggle in the dark. To just keep it to yourself. I want to tell you, scripture is a punch to the face to break through temptation. Sharing your struggle in a community like this breaks the shame. And we remind ourselves of the only victor, the only one who has conquered sin and death. We remind ourselves together of our king and his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reminder (laughs) that we all struggle. And we know that Jesus was fully God, but also that he was fully human. And Father, please remind us in the moment, right now, that we can't do it on our own. We can't even wrestle alone. We need you. We need your spirit. We need the victory of Jesus. And we need one another. Continue to craft in us a heart that leans into you. And may we find ourselves victoriously living with our king in his kingdom. And we pray all these things in his powerful name. Amen? Amen. Amen.